0: Welcome back guys. We are in this series called You Make Me Crazy. It's about difficult relationships and the crazy makers in our lives. And, and maybe after last week, you've identified some of the crazy makers, some of those people in your in your life. I, I would not encourage you to point them out right now, but it's important to realize that um, people don't have to drive you crazy, that there are things that you can do about it. And, and it's amazing how you can be going through a normal day and feeling really good about your life and everything's going well and things are running really smoothly. And then a crazy maker makes an appearance and you can flip in an instant from being happy to being incredibly angry. A crazy maker walks in and suddenly you are frustrated, you're, you're mad, you're upset. They know how to push your buttons. I used to work with somebody like this a long time ago. Uh, I, would be, I would be doing my job, having a great day, and then he would come into the room and the vibe would just change for, for everybody. His mood could almost control the whole room. If he wanted to, he could push everybody's buttons, sometimes he did, including mine, and I could flip from happy to angry pretty fast. Anger's not always wrong. Uncontrolled anger is, is wrong, but anger itself is sometimes the only appropriate response to a situation. It can be evidence of, of love, actually. If someone is attacking my kids or my loved ones, my friends, sometimes the right response is anger. There are some things that we get angry about, like injustice, greed, uh, personal or systemic racism, or people who are hungry or abused. Anger can be evidence of love. The, the only reason you, you can get angry, actually, is that you were made in God's image. You, 375 times in the Bible, it says that God got angry. God got angry. There's righteous anger. There, there's also unrighteous anger. Ephesians chapter four says, in your anger, do not sin, which means that there's a way to get angry and not sin. Selfish anger is sinful and uncontrolled, and, and, and sometimes, like I said, anger is an appropriate response, but most of the time, it has the potential to be harmful. Uh, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. That's from Proverbs chapter 25. If you can't control your anger, you're as helpless as a city without walls. People will manipulate you because you have no defenses. Even when you say to someone, uh, like if you say to somebody, you make me so mad, what you're really doing is you're admitting that that person controls you. You're saying you can control my emotions because I am defenseless against you. Uh, the, the book of Proverbs also says that fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. A fool is, in other words, quick tempered. It's, it's wise to just let it roll off. Better to be a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. That's Proverbs 16. And you know, it's better to be patient than powerful. He's saying it's more important that you're in control than if you were like the owner of the Carolina Panthers or president of the United States or a highly successful entrepreneur. It's more important to be under control. Anger is a learned response. Like, like we learn it from other people and from the images we see, videos we watch, what we see on TV, what, what gets normalized in our culture and movies and things like that. And now there's good news in that. If it's learned, it can be unlearned. So. I wanna talk with you about two things today. First is this, I I wanna help you understand the different ways that anger shows up because it's not always eruptive like a volcano. The second thing is this, I wanna share with you some biblical principles that will help you diffuse the crazy makers in your life. Now, the Bible indicates there are four ways, about four ways that we express anger. And the first type I would call the volcano. You know what that is, they explode, they let you have it, they're expressive. They yell, and maybe they cuss sometimes. Maybe they throw things. They are like walking time bombs, the the exploders. These are pretty obvious in your life. Now, since it's college basketball, March Madness right now, it makes me think about the old Indiana coach, Bobby Knight. Uh, One time, he didn't like a call in a game, and so he calmly picked up a chair, and he threw it across the court, like, you know, like we all do, right? Explosive anger, the volcano. In the Bible, this would be Cain who killed his brother Abel. He committed the first murder. It says in the book of Genesis, that so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. It's from Genesis chapter four. The response of this type of anger is that word, attack. Most of the time, people who are volcanoes attack and then they immediately regret it. They're embarrassed and they even apologize, but, but that's not the only type of anger, the volcano. Second is what we can call the, the clam. They are the exact opposite. They don't blow up, they, they clam up. They get silent, they hold it in, they live in denial, they pretend they're, they're not angry and they always refuse to admit it when they are. This isn't volcano anger, this is more like crock pot anger. It's, it's like a slow burn, it, it stews and it simmers. The clams swallow their anger, but their bodies, know it. Their bodies keep score. Sometimes this leads to even physical problems like high blood pressure, chronic pain, headaches and and ulcers and things like that. In the Bible, this could be called Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. He was known as the weeping prophet and he tended to hold in his anger. It says, he says this, I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous? And incurable. You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Jeremiah 15. Why is your pain unending, Jeremiah? Because you held it in. Like holding on to anger in your body is like swallowing poison. It's going to eat away at you. The third type of anger is the martyr. Martyrs are like professionals at holding pity parties, they're, they're passive. They punish themselves for other people's issues. When a crazy maker comes around, they think, what's wrong not wrong. what's wrong with you they think what's wrong with me it must be my fault they say i should i have to i ought to and if you if you say that a lot you will become a martyr the number one sign that you might be a martyr with your anger is that you tend to experience depression like your anger freezes inside of you and you get depressed Jesus tells a story one time about the prodigal son. It's from Luke chapter 15. His, his older brother is a great example of a martyr. It says this, there were two sons and the, the younger son, the story goes, wastes half of his inheritance and he, he comes home a mess. And then the dad throws him a party. He shows him this unconditional love. But the older brother, he gets mad. He's like, I, I'm the good one and you're throwing a party for him. He's a martyr. The older brother gets angry. He refuses to go into the party. And so his father goes out and he, and he pleads with him. And uh, that's from Luke chapter 15. Anyone like this around you, like anyone in your family, they have to be pleaded with. They have to be coaxed. They have to be pampered to come in. They're, they're, they're passive aggressive with their anger. You guys go ahead. You know, I'll just stay here alone in the dark. That's the martyr. And then the fourth type of anger is this, the manipulator. Their, their motto is, don't get mad, get even. This is what like, shows and movies tend to show when they depict anger. They, they, they won't tell you to their face that they're angry, but they'll do it indirectly, like take little jabs here and there at you. They'll maybe even sabotage you to try to make you look bad. They will never own it. Crazy makers are sometimes excellent manipulators. Sometimes religious people can be really good at this. They can couch things in spiritual terms, like, like this has really like, grieved my spirit, But you're just angry, okay? Just own it, right? You're just angry. We do this in the South. We'll just say, bless his heart. Bless his heart. But we know what that really means, right? We know what that means. In the Bible, the Pharisees are often the ones like this. They're plotting, they're manipulating, they're devious. In Luke chapter six, it says this. It says, uh, the Pharisees and Jesus says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. You're probably one of those four. And the reality is that you learned that behavior from someone, which means you can unlearn it because none of those things are helpful. And acting in ways that just might make you a crazy maker to someone else is not what we want to do. So how do you disarm the person who uses those things against you? How do you deal with the crazy makers who push your Buttons. I'm going to share with you some more uh, things from the Bible. The Bible offers some very practical things. And again, we're going to look at a lot of these things from the book of Proverbs here. And the, the first one is this. Calculate the cost of your anger you're less likely uh, to get angry when you realize there's a price tag involved to it. An angry person stirs up conflict, Proverbs says, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins, from Proverbs 29. When you're angry, you get into trouble and you sin more. That, that, that's just obvious, right? A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. That's from Proverbs 15. Hot tempers cause arguments. When, when you get angry, it's it's obviously a lot easier to argue. Whoever is patient, Proverbs says, has great understanding, but one who is quick tempered displays folly. It's another from the book of Proverbs chapter 14. Anger causes us to make mistakes and do foolish things. And so the cost of your anger, when you consider it, is that I get into trouble, I sin, I cause arguments, I make mistakes and I do foolish things. I always lose when I lose my temper. I lose respect, I lose love for my family, I might lose my job, I might even lose my health. And, and I know that you've been tempted to use anger to motivate people, because I have. I, when, when I'm coaching my son's basketball team, it can be easy to get angry at certain things sometimes. And I can, if I want to, I can use that as a motivator. I can get in these kids' faces, I can yell, I can scream, I can, I can break a clipboard if I want to, and I could, I could even throw a chair. And maybe that works, like once. But in the long run, it doesn't work, and it only produces more anger, apathy, and alienation. Uh, You've seen this before, right, where kids become alienated from their mom or their dad because their parents' anger is out of control. Anger destroys relationships faster than anything else. And so before you retaliate, step back and ask yourself, do I really want to do this? The, The second key that the Bible gives us for getting past anger is to, Look past their words to their pain. And and, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Don't respond to what they're saying. Look at why they're saying it. In in Proverbs, again, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. In other words, wisdom gives you patience. It's it's an honorable thing to overlook a, a wrong. Look at the pain behind the words. Hurt people, hurt people. Unkind people are unkind because they, they just haven't experienced kindness maybe in a while. And when someone's like that, they're shouting out, Hey, I, I need a, a huge amount of love because I don't feel loved, I don't feel secure. The the, the person who feels deeply loved and secure is generous. And, grateful. and I have to decide, am I going to overcome evil with good? Or, or am I going to retaliate on their level? Because, because when you attack somebody who has attacked you, it puts you actually below their level. When you get even with somebody for what they've done, it probably puts you at like, like the same level. But, but when you respond with love and kindness to someone who's hurt you, it, it puts you above their level. Don't allow somebody with the satisfaction of making you their enemy. Like you can do that or you can look past their words to their pain, which is the kind of thing that Jesus did. Um, It's really this myth that you only have a set amount of anger and that you just need to release it, right? Or release all the anger you have onto people, kind of rip them to shreds for your own mental health sake to get your anger out. That doesn't work because you don't have like a bucket full of anger. You have a factory and it can keep producing. And once you get rid of that anger, you'll get more because anger leads to more anger. The third way to combat anger, the Bible says, is to think before reacting. When somebody pushes your buttons, think before you speak. Anger control is often a matter of controlling your mouth. So don't respond impulsively. The the book of Proverbs says, all who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. Proverbs 13. Be prudent, be wise, control your mouth. It also says, hey, fools give full vent to their rage but the wise bring calm in the end. Fools give vent to their anger. They they let it rip. They give it fuel, but the wise are calm. In the Hebrew, it's actually that that word calm is the word uh, cooling something down, chilling out basically. While you're waiting for it to cool, then you can ask yourself some questions. Like, why am I angry? What do I really want? And how can I get it? You can't ask those questions to yourself if you immediately speak. Be quiet for a minute. When you feel yourself getting angry, you can think about these questions. And if you reflect before you act, you can identify the root cause of your anger. And it's basically always one of these three things as the root cause. One of them is this hurt, that the person pushing your buttons is hurt. I, I get angry when I get hurt. You ever like hit your thumb with a hammer? I have, and it hurts. And when I get hurt like that, it just makes me angry. Okay. Like angry at myself, angry at my thumb, angry at the hammer, angry at the world. Or it might not be hurt that's causing it as much as maybe frustration. When you're irritated, when you're forced to wait, like like a really long checkout line at Walmart or Harris Teeter, because you came in there on the weekend thinking you could just pick up the three things that you need. And meanwhile, you're stuck behind 14 people with at least 100 items in their carts. When you, when, when you can't control a situation, you get frustrated, and then that leads to anger or it could be not hurt or frustration, it could be fear. When we get afraid and we feel attacked, we, we fight back. When an animal is in a corner, it will strike back. The other day, I was trying to help my dog, Molly, into the backseat of my car, uh, which is kind of high, and she's 12 years old, and her hips are, are pretty bad right now. And so I was trying to lift her up and help her, and she must have been afraid and anxious about it because she turned around, and for a split second... She put her jaws on my neck, <laughs> like literally. She had this burst of anger and she, she didn't do anything. She didn't even scratch me. She quickly realized what she was doing and she pulled back. It was like no harm done. And I knew that she would never do anything to hurt me, but she just got scared. This is why you shouldn't immediately text back somebody or email back somebody that you are angry with. Sleep on it. Wait, you will respond differently in the morning than you would today. I guarantee that you will respond differently tomorrow than you would today. The Proverbs, Proverbs says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In Proverbs 15, a gentle answer. It quiets anger. Just by even talking quieter, you get less angry. The, the, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, Proverb says, and whoever has understanding is even tempered. I think that's true. Wise people use fewer words. You ever notice that? I I can't put my foot in my mouth when my mouth is closed. So the fourth way, that's the third way to combat anger. The fourth way to combat anger is this, change your heart, seek a a heart change. Scripture says, set a guard over my mouth. Keep, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Uh, Lord, help me control my tongue. It's like if I had a tube of toothpaste here and, and like squeeze it out, what's gonna come out? toothpaste is going to come out, right? Well, when you're under pressure and you are squeezed, what is going to come out of you? Whatever's inside of you. When I'm under stress and tension, my tendency will be to attack or to crawl into a hole or, or whatever your pattern for anger is. The key is to have a change of heart, but but you can't do that on your own. In, in your house, if the foundation is cracked, it doesn't matter how nice the walls are above, you, well, you can repair the walls all day long, but if you haven't done the work below, it's just going to happen again. The, the key is to have a change of heart. But again, I cannot do that on my own and neither can you. This is where we have to let God in. You can't do this work alone. He has to help you you don't even understand your own heart. I don't even understand my own heart, much less know how to change it. He has to do that through his Holy Spirit being invited in. Let God's Spirit start to fill your life. When I'm filled with just myself, almost anything can upset me. When when I'm filled with God's Spirit, almost almost nothing will really upset me. And, And that starts with me saying, help me God, help me God, which leads us to the fifth and the most important key. Base your identity in Jesus. Change what you build your identity on. Build your identity on the fact that he loves you unconditionally. He says that you're valuable and he has a plan and he has a purpose for you. When you base it on anything else, you're gonna struggle with insecurity. When you base it on your job or your looks or who you marry or your popularity, like none of those things will ultimately last. All of them can be taken away. You need to feel secure about yourself. People pushing buttons, uh, your buttons, it makes you feel insecure. But when you know who you are and and also whose you are, people can't push your buttons. When I base my identity in Jesus, I don't don't care as much about what you think about me because I know what he thinks about me. And the thing is, for this to happen, you, you need a heart transplant. It's what the Bible calls salvation where God gives you a brand new heart. You need a new identity, not trying to find your identity in your job or your bank account or your talent or your relationships or something else. Your identity is in what God says about you. So start by letting God be the center of your identity. Matthew chapter five says it like this in the version called the message. He he says in a word, what I'm saying is grow up, your kingdom subjects now live like it, live out your God created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God has lived toward you. Live out of your God-created identity. He says, when you do that, you'll begin to be gentle and gracious to others. Know that the most simple way to start living in this new identity, well, one way is what the Bible calls baptism. Not as a child when, when you couldn't decide for yourself, but as a believer, like Jesus himself did when, when he was like 30 years old. Have you been baptized as an adult? That's a step that you can take. If you haven't been baptized, it's the first step of identification with Jesus. And so my challenge to you is to decide right now, I want a new identity. I'm tired of being angry and of people pushing my buttons. And I'm gonna declare it to the world that Jesus is my identity, not myself or, or my career or anything Else. And you might decide this, because of that, I'm gonna be baptized. We actually have a baptism service coming up on April the 3rd, which is the same day as our five-year anniversary celebration. And you can like go online and register to be baptized and do that in person with us at this service. And it will be a life-changing experience for you. If you're struggling in those areas of feeling hurt, feeling frustration, feeling insecure, let me just say that Jesus can replace hurt with love. He can replace frustration with peace and he can replace insecurity with his power. Let's pray. God, um, getting angry in and of itself, it's it's not a sinful thing, but when when it's uncontrolled, God, it leads us into bad places in our lives. Would you give us the self-control that we need? Mostly, God, I just want to pray right now that you would help us to plant our two feet firmly on you, that you would be our identity, that you would be our rock, that you would be the truth that we stand upon. And as we do that, God, that you would begin to change our our anger into peace, uh, change our sadness into joy, and change our hearts to become more like you. Uh, For those of uh, us that are considering the step of something like baptism, it's this public declaration, God, of of our inward faith in you. Would you give us the courage and the faith to take steps that honor you in our lives? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.